Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. I've been, uh, <clears throat> I've actually been studying uh, just in my personal time with the Lord, not preparing for anything. I've been reading through the book of Luke, <clears throat> and um, I to open up tonight. And those of you that haven't been here for our Bible study uh, time, we've been talking about uh, the uh, the Apostle Paul. And if you know anything about Scripture, you know this, that he wrote um, most of the New Testament. We're all blessed by his writings in Romans, Ephesians, and Philippians, First and Second Corinthians. And there's so much that goes into that. I really was trying to look for a direction of where to go. And if you've been here, talked about, obviously, his conversion. Uh, he was converted to Christ in an amazing conversion. Acts chapter 9, and we really broke that down. And then there, <clears throat> how he, uh, right from the get-go, he went to preaching the gospel. How many of you know each and every one of us have a story? I'm going to say that again. How many of y'all know and that this weekend is Palm Sunday, and I've been really studying Palm Sunday in Scripture, and I've been thinking about the witness that Jesus was to us. And how many of y'all know we need to be a witness of what he's done for us? Amen? And so he goes right away. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 9, he goes right away to preaching the gospel. And, and so <clears throat> and then he went through this time of waiting. And if you were here last week, we opened up with Acts chapter 13. And uh, I'm going to continue in Acts chapter 13 because there's some boldness that comes over here. And uh, tonight's topic is stepped up, pressed on, spoke up, and he never quit. But before we do, I just want to ask you this question because I, I met with a group of men. Uh, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 14, if you know the story uh, out of Luke chapter 14 of how Jesus is the guest at a party. And there's all kinds of people that are there. There's diplomats, there's Pharisees and Sadducees. And the Bible tells us in verse 25, Now a great multitude went with him, and he turned and said to them, this is verse 25. This is off the cuff. I'm just teaching. Is that all right? It says in verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, you got to be careful in some settings. In fact, I'm sure when Jesus said this, there are some people when you read this scripture to him like, I get to hate my family? Sign me up. Right? Because of what they've gone through. It's like, but, but Jesus, how many of y'all know this is, this is strong language, what the Lord is saying? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Pastor, what does this mean? I want to ask you this question. What does it mean to live as a person, uh, as a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus? If you was to write it down on a piece of paper, what would, what would it be that you wrote down? This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that in your life. Because a disciple... A discipled one, like if you took that serious, what you wrote down, I want to ask you the question, what would have to change in your life? I know this is heavy. But I would hope that you would write something that's bigger than what it is right now. Because there would have to be something that changed in your life. Because what, I want to ask you this question too, what really rules your heart? 
This is, uh, and whatever rules your heart is what influences your life and your behavior. See, a majority of us, I hate to even say this, but I, I will say this with all confidence and boldness tonight. A majority of us, the most vibrant time of our walk with Christ is on Sunday morning. Because that's when we're intentional to work. We're intentional in our worship. We're intentional in our confession. We're intentional in our service. We're intentional in giving. But I also want to make this comment to you. If you met someone who only gave their life to something for an hour and a half or two hours a week, would you say that that's the most important thing in their life? No. But yet, churches are filled, and even ours, of people that they feel like this is the only time that they spend with the Lord. So I'm stretching you before I even get into this tonight because I see Paul, even in that time of waiting, and as I study his life more and more and read commentary and books and all this different stuff, I see, would you all agree that Paul was a disciple of Jesus Christ? And I believe each and every one of us, I, you know, as I read his story, it charges me to go and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if there's some things that the Lord needs to change in me, let him change them. Amen? And so we're going to get into this tonight. I want to just do a recap of what we, we did last week. But it stepped up, pressed on, spoke up, and never quit. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1, you have it there on your paper. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there was a certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about, can you imagine if you were in this church with these great men of God? And the Lord spoke to him and said, all right, I want you to get rid of two of them. Wouldn't you be sad? I'm going to say that again. Wouldn't you be sad? You would be upset. I would be upset. Like, why are you taking Paul? He's the man. And, uh, and, and, and why are you taking Barnabas? But they prayed together. How many? I, I see the Spirit of God all over this. You know it's the Spirit of God when they're in agreement to send somebody off. I've seen it so many times in churches when you know it's not the Spirit of God because of how tense it is. But everything was working together. So, y'all ready to study this text together? It says, Paul's first missionary trip is now underway. Armed with the call of God, the two men waste no time launching their vision to proclaim the Word of God to all who will give them a hearing ear. Ironically, it is their strong and healthy commitment to the gospel that leads them into many dangers tools and snares but as we begin to observe one of the marks of an authentic ministry is an unswerving commitment to the proclamation of truth if he's going to have a ministry that lasts he must focus all of it on the word of God and that's where I'm going at tonight talking about being a disciple of Christ you can't be a disciple of the Lord and only get the word one time a week let's say that again are you guys hearing me tonight you guys awake you can't be a disciple of God and only get the word of God one time a week. It's got to be every day. And don't just rely on me. 
Because sometimes my microphone don't work, and I can't do it. But Jennifer ordered me a new one, and it came in today. All right? So uh, what I'm talking about is at 6.30 in the mornings, those of you that are on Facebook, I, um, on Tuesday through Friday, uh, we've been going through the book of Ephesians together, and we pray with you. But I'm just saying this. You can't just rely on somebody else to give it to you. You need one of these babies right here. How many of y'all thankful for the word of God? And that's what I see about Paul's life here. <laughs> and we're really going to see it tonight where, where we see that, that he was definitely a doer of the word. When it's on the, when it's on the truth, when it's, when it's on the truth, we know it's reliable and your faith gets strengthened. Myths, legends, and fantasies promise neither. God has promised to bless his word. A ministry that commits to communicating the truth of the scriptures has the assurance of God's blessing. Whenever you want to do a serious, truthful analysis of anyone in the Bible, that's the place to go. We turn to the Word of God for enlightenment, instruction, and encouragement. We are living in a culture that resists the notion of absolute truth, absolutely anything for, absolute anything for that matter. The tragic results are now seen all around us. This is no time for softening the truth to make Christianity more palatable to unbelievers. What strange thinking. That thought would have never crossed the mind of Paul, nor should it start crossing ours. Pastor Steve Lawson, is in a series of lectures, spoke passionately about the need for churches to reaffirm their commitment to proclaim the word of God. It's worth repeating. Must, much of evangelical preaching has become strangely impotent. And sadly, too few realize it. Like Samson, from whom the spirit departed without his knowing it, Many pastors seem to have a little awareness that God's power has vanished from their once dynamic pulpits. Rather than preaching with renewed fervor, they are preoccupied with pouring their energies into secondary strategies, such as pursuing the latest church growth programs, alternative worship styles, and corporate making uh, marketing plans to build their churches. While some of these are augmentations may have a place in the church the crying need of the hour is for divine power to be restored to evangelical pulpits and corporate marketing plans to build their churches while some of these augmentations may have a place in the church the crying need of the hour is for divine power to be restored to the evangelical pulpits can i get an amen thank god for the power of god at the heart of this crisis is a lost confidence in God's power to use his word. Now many hold to the inerrancy of scripture. Some pastors do not seem convinced of its sufficiency when preached to bring about God's desire, desired results. They reason that biblical preaching is outdated, archaic, and irreverent. In some churches, drama, dialogue, film, clips... And similar memes are taking the place of solid Bible exposition. These are not necessary, necessarily bad in themselves, but expository preaching should never take a back seat to the secondary means of communication. These are not necessarily bad in themselves, but expository preaching should never... Oh, I don't know why I said that twice. But then it goes on to say, Pastors would do well to revisit the ministries of God's servants in the Scriptures and follow their examples as proclaimers of God's Word. Paul launched his first ministry journey with one clear, forceful objective. 
to proclaim the word of God. And I'm convinced it was the unswerving commitment to God's truth that brought him face to face with the jagged edges that accompany such firm convictions. This was no pleasure cruise he had booked for the holidays. Paul set his face like a flint, like flint, and never looked back. His message was full of grace, but he modeled a determination that was firm. It was his calling. It was his destiny. Now we come to a place in Paul's journey that when he needed to be firm, he was. He responded correctly under heavy circumstances. Check this out as the story goes on in Acts chapter 13. Start in verse 6. Now when they had gone through the island of Paph, I don't know how you say this, Paphos, Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. This word bar means son. I found this very interesting in uh, a book I was reading. <clears throat> so the man had the boldness to be nicknamed son of Jesus. Obviously, he was a phony, a false prophet indeed. He accompanied a Roman official named Sergius Paulus, who, look, who looked, Luke described as a proconsul, a man of intelligence. He had requested a meeting with Paul and Barnabas for the purpose of hearing the word of God. So here's a Gentile living in Cyprus who hears about the ministry of these two missionaries from Antioch, and he summoned them into his presence. Could this be the sign that they had been seeking? He said, I want to hear the message for myself. His sidekick, Elymas, the false prophet and magician, did not share his zeal for hearing the truth, so he opposed the two men of God, Paul and Barnabas, and attempted to stop their progress. We're not sure what he, <clears throat> he did exactly. Maybe he mocked what they had had to say like a court jester before a king, made fun of them by mimic, mimicking them or, interp or interpreted their teaching with arguments and irritating objections in front of everyone. John Pollock, in a biography of the life of Paul, he wrote this. They were in full course, each adding to the other, when abruptly, in defiance of, of protocol, Elymas interrupted. He launched a venomous attack on them and their news, trying to turn the proconsul from the faith with all the vigor of a man who sees his influence about to be overturned. Maybe that's what happened. Obviously, <clears throat> this fool would fear he would lose his job if these zealots persuaded his benefactors to convert. Main point, he was determined to stop all the progress. How many of y'all have ever had distractions in your life before? This was no time for Paul to sit back and, and, and toler be tolerant and passive. We live in a culture today that loves tolerance. I think World News Network wants us to love everybody, even the devil. Don't get me wrong, Christ calls us to love people, even our enemies, but that doesn't mean we shrink from standing up for righteousness. Paul didn't back off an inch. You can almost in the story see their hair go up on the back of their necks as he showed his spiritual teeth and growled. <laughs> Verse 9 of Acts 13, it says, Then Saul, who is called Paul, so now we can start calling him Paul here, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, 
you son of the devil. I mean, y'all know he's not going to be invited back to the party already. Son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. He's giving him a dose of his own medicine, isn't he? And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed, and when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. I mean, y'all know people's eyes are open under the signs, wonders, and miracles of what the Lord can do. So Paul faced the opposition squarely by vigorously defending the truth and leading a sinner to the Savior. I love it. An uncommitted novice would have quickly drafted his resume and sent it to the board and taken the next ship back to Mama. Not Paul. He didn't back off even for a moment. As we will see from here on out, difficulties only fueled his fire. The man didn't know the word quit. Can you imagine the shock as the messed up magician realized he had mixed it up with the wrong guy? Especially when the lights went out and he was blind. Everything was now dark. Honestly, as bold as I have been at times, I've never responded to anyone quite like this before. I don't think I've ever called anybody son of the devil yet. <laughs> All right. All right. I, huh? Let's not bring that up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, Brandy. I should have. She said the lady on the airplane, we were flying, uh, was it last year? Two years ago, we were, um, we were flying to Florida. And uh, this, this couple behind us, I say couple, it was two girls that were obviously couples. That I, one of them identified as a he, him, I'm sure. But uh, she got mad at the other one. And they were cussing, I mean, screaming at each other. And I stood up and I said, would you two shut up? And she called me a fat mother trucker and screamed it in my face. I might have called her the son of the devil. <laughs> I take that back. Uh, but, uh, man, it was terrible. It was terrible. And then the, the, the marshal came on and said, who is it? And I stood up and I said, it's this one right here. And the whole plane applauded me. And then I felt terrible. Lord have mercy. But I didn't start it, Brandy. All right? So this word is for me tonight. Maybe I should have cast out some devils. Amen? It says, son of the devil, yet. But Paul did, and he was right on target. Bulldog on display. He nipped the opposition right in the bud. The opportunity was simply too severe to ignore. He knew the stakes were high, and so did the devil. This was nothing short of a battle for Sergius' soul. Sergius's soul. There was no room for diplomacy. When Paul had to be firm, he stepped up. The result was magnificent. Stunned by the obvious display of God's power and Paul's firm response, the pagan official believed, and we can almost see the door to the Gentiles opened wider. Remember, y'all remember in Acts chapter 9 that that was the call of God that was going to be on Paul's life was to reach the Gentile. How many of y'all know that's a huge conversion when a Jew of Jews, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, a Jew of Jews would be called 
to the Gentile people. Aren't you thankful for the writings that he wrote to us as Gentile people? It says, you may face opportunities to confront uh, enemies of truth. They come in a number of different forms. Some are more sneaky than others. When the opposition against the truth is this severe, based on Paul's model, it is necessary that you do it. Leave the results with God. Step up and speak out in the name of the Lord. Be certain of his protection. Don't rush in. Pray for wisdom and the choice of your words before saying anything and then speaking boldly. Now you're making me feel convicted, honey, on this stuff that I wrote down about the plane ride two years ago. Lord, forgive me. Uh, The results may not be as dramatic as what happened here this day in Cyprus, but the Lord will honor your faith. Paul handled that particular external opposition with calm confidence. Another test would soon present itself, however, and that threat would come from the inside. In Acts chapter 13, verse 13, it says, Now when Paul and his party set sail for Paphos, Paphos, uh, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John departed from them and returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So not only was Paul firm, but, but Paul also kept pressing. I mean, y'all know it's important that in our walk with Christ that we keep going to the, towards the mark of the high calling that God has in store for us. And so, uh, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark left Cyprus and sailed to the southern coast of Turkey. The land then known as Pamphylia whose rugged coastline ascended sharply into the towering heights of the mountain range, steeper and fiercer than the eastern Tarsus, and more terrible than any hills known to the uh, Cypriot, Barnabas, or the Judean, John Mark. I got that out of um, Charles Swindoll's book, Paul. There's a lot of good stuff inside of there. I didn't realize the land, but I thought that was a good comment. That side alone may have initiated the storm surge of doubt that would eventually flood young John Mark's soul. I have learned by reading many commentaries that it was the region that Paul got badly sick with malaria or some other serious coastal fever. If this is true, that may have been the last straw for the inexperienced traveler to endure. Without any explanation, Luke writes, John left them and returned to Jerusalem. I wish he would just said because he was homesick or he threw in the towel. We don't know, so we have to use our imagination. Honestly, I think he was a little weak in the knees for the journey that was ahead. But going on from Perga, they pressed on. Without even as much as a hiccup, the journey continued. Paul and Barnabas were un- undeterred by John Mark's desertion. I hate to say this, but I've been in ministry long enough to tell you people leave. In any and every ministry of any kind, people move on to other things. This includes people even in leadership. They leave, but the church presses on. Regardless of the circumstances surrounding their departure, the journey continues. For Paul and Barnabas, there was neither time nor need for a long, drawn-out farewell. They pressed ahead, keeping their eyes focused on the goal. How many of y'all know we need to stay focused on the goal? It's hard to press on when you feel abandoned. It's easy to give in into discouragement and allow that to siphon your tank dry. Paul and Barnabas had no such luxury. Emotions in check, they had, they had a job to do. 
They move forward with an even stronger determination. One of the marks of maturity in people is the ability to press ahead regardless of who walks off the scene. The alternative isn't an option. Once you've said goodbye, it's time for everyone to move on. That's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. On they went, up the steep, jagged slopes toward the beautiful city of Sidian, Antioch, which they hoped to reach there before the Sabbath. If they lollygagged even for one day to cry over John's deserting them, they would have missed a remarkable opportunity the Lord had prepared for them in the next town. Now we see in verse 14, But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. You think he was ready for this? Like, ooh, 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 pick me. Right? So in review, Paul stepped up, he pressed on, and now he is speaking out. You know, at this point in the journey, they were weary and achy from the trip and marching through the mountains. Still, they wasted no time at all making their way to the synagogue early enough to find a good seat to listen to the reading of God's word. They made their destination by the Sabbath. They said to Paul, would you like to preach? This was his cue. I thought you would never ask. Without hesitation, he delivered the goods. He started in Genesis and preached all the way through the ministry of Christ com completely from memory. He had no notes. He was anointed. Let's take a listen to his word. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people who they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed, distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, and a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up from them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse. Y'all ain't never heard this scripture before. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. Who will do all my will? From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel, Savior Jesus. Now pinch yourself and said, this is coming from memory. This is the message that's coming from Paul. And this good. After John had first preached, before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me. The sandals of whom feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written, was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. I know I'm reading right now, but come on. How many y'all, who's ready for Easter this year, Resurrection Sunday? We celebrate it every week. Amen? 
But every time you read it, you ought to get excited. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. Who are his witnesses to the people? And we declare to you glad tidings that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your holy one to see corruption. For for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what he has spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. How many of y'all know this is a word? I mean, y'all know this is the gospel. He said in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So let's check out this sermon together. As, as we do, you will see the biblical journey he led his fellow worshipers through. In Acts 13.17, we, we see Genesis through Exodus. In Acts 13.18, We see numbers. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. See the book of Joshua in Acts 13, 19. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he destroyed their land to them by allotment. We see the book of Judges, Acts 13, 20. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. In Acts 13, 21 and 22, we see the book of Samuel, book of Kings, and the book of Chronicles. Isn't this interesting? So with that, he came to the end of the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible. Chronicles is the last book of the Old Testament. From there, he leaps into the first century in verse 23, bringing his listeners right into the days of Christ. By the time he reached the end of his sermon, he had traced the gospel through the scrolls of the Old Testament scripture. That's what you call seizing an opportunity. Would you all agree that he was a disciple of Jesus Christ? I believe so. From the law, they learned about sin and standard of holiness. From Christ, they heard about grace, forgiveness, and freedom to live under his power. It was an incredible Sabbath sermon. I think we would all be impressed. He didn't even know he was going to preach that day, but he was prepared. He stayed prepared. He didn't just write it to the young preacher, Timothy. He lived it. This is what we read in 2 Timothy 4, 2. We all know it. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. The response was so overwhelming. Luke informs us that the next Sabbath, the whole town showed up to hear the message he would deliver. The same was true then as it is today. People are hungry for the word of God. When you have hungry hearts, the great food served well. With, and great food that served well, there's no problem getting people to come for the spiritual meal. 
Finding people who long to be fed the nourishing meat of God's truth is no great challenge. The response was overwhelming. So the advice we get from Paul here is simple. When you have the opportunity to share the good news, share it. But be careful not to dump the whole truck. If you're sitting on a plane, why did I even put this on here? I didn't know my wife would be calling me out tonight. If you're sitting on a plane, the opportunity presents itself. Don't feel compelled to preach through the Old Testament before getting to the heart of the gospel. Tell that hungry soul how to find a piece of bread. As you direct the individuals to Christ, tell him of your own journey or tell them of your own journey. If done interestingly, uh, he will hang on to every word, just as they did with Paul. And the response was overwhelmingly positive. That was until the hostile Jewish leaders caught wind of Paul's success. At that point, resistance replaced acceptance. So Paul has stepped up, pressed on, spoke up, and lastly, he didn't quit. My granny used to say when the lights are turned on, they attract bugs. The reason she would say that is because she had one of those bug zappers. I mean, y'all got one of those bug zappers. You know what I'm talking about. All right, you know what I'm talking about? And she remember her sitting out there, and she smoked them long cigarettes. And she sometimes she wouldn't have her teeth in. And I remember when she'd take a drag, it was like her lips sucked all the way back into her brain. I miss my granny, y'all. I'm just giving you a description here. I'm just, just being real vivid here. But she said, honey, she said, anytime you got the light turned on, you're going to attract some bugs. How many of y'all know that's true? So don't be weary when you're attracting bugs. That means the light's turned on in you. I'd rather deal with a few bugs than not have the light on. Would you agree? And in this situation, in Acts 13, the bugs were Jews with stingers filled with poison. We say in verse 42 here, it says, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue... The Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout uh, proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Isn't that something? And this people for you? And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things, Paul, the things spoken by Paul. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas grew bold, there it is again, and said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it the, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Paul didn't quit an inch in his response to open rejection. The result? Not surprisingly, the Gentiles and the crowd rejoiced in the good, of the good news he had for them. How exciting. What started as a smoldering ember of religious curiosity burst into flames of faith. What made the difference? Paul did not quit when they said stop. Every ministry will have its critics. You can often tell who they are. They're negative people who look for any possible reason to block the work of God. They're everywhere, even in this even in the church, almost said this church. I hope not. You son of the devil. <laughs> All right, where are you at? But these obstacles should not hinder you from going forward. If you know who you are 
and if you're convinced of your mission as you are you are firm, firm in your purpose, what's the big deal? You stay focused. You respond with the same grit as Paul. You refuse to wimp out, no sniffling, no strong-arm self-defense, no changing of the message, no holding back, no apology. When the Jews rejected the message, Paul and Barnabas turned to the Gentiles. Why was Paul and Barnabas able to keep going? Neither one of them set their affections on temporal things. What did... Uh, what a discipline we must all look for. If you want to get caught up in the net of disillusionment, allow yourself to get tangled in the tangibles. You'll not only rush, run shy of courage, you'll sink like a rock in the water. Why? Because other opinions will start to mean everything to you. When you allow their responses to be the deciding factor, then their applause becomes becomes essential to keep you afloat and their assaults will drag you straight down to the bottom that formula for failure can be found in all people pleasing ministries you have to focus on the eternal lee alcoca not long after leaving the car business said here i am in the twilight years of my life still wondering what it's all about i can tell you this fame and fortune is for the birds you can spend your life pursuing fame and fortune depending on the applause of others, but there is terrible, but that's a terrible plan. To begin with, fortune has shallow roots. The winds of adversity can quickly blow it all away. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 5, it says, You will set your eyes on that which is not, for riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. So we should learn a valuable lesson from Paul, who had wisdom far beyond most of us. When you're praised and applauded, don't pay any attention. And when you're rejected and abused, don't quit. It wasn't human opinion that called you into the work you're doing. So don't let human responses or critics criticisms get you sidetracked. you got to keep going. There's one more thing that I want to add tonight, and is this. When Paul returned to the place he had been before, uh, when he goes back to the places we read on in Acts chapter 14, I believe he had no regrets. They returned to Antioch. On their way, they visited many of the places they, they had already been and preached the gospel. Uh, the, the Bible tells us they returned to Lystra, where Paul had been stoned beforehand, and then on to Iconium. They also went through uh, Pisidia, Pamphylia. If you look at the route of where Paul went, he went back to these places then he went back down to Perga and Atalia. I believe he might have been exhausted and tired, but he was fired up. They uh, sailed across the waters of the Mediterranean, and their destination was Antioch. Their first missionary trip was in the books. Um, and if you go back, if you look at his life, if you go back over everywhere that he had been, What's amazing about his life is he stopped and encouraged and strengthened disciples that he had made along the way. They planted churches and appointed elders. There's no mention of attempts to reconcile the wrongs, uh, you know, that were suffering and going on inside of the church. Or there's no record of no angry outbursts or really regrets is what I'm talking about. Their focus remained on the same, pursuing the authentic ministry for the glory of the Lord. And all that Paul did, what I love about his read, writings and his teachings, 
Glory always went to the Lord. Glory always went to the Lord. I, I want Arena of Life to be a place. It's not one person. It's not one man. It's not a group of people. But it's the Lord that heals people. Amen. It's the Lord that delivers people. It's the Lord that redeems people. In fact, in Acts 14, 27, I love this scripture. It's like it jumped out on the page at me as I was going over this. It says, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. God, give us a heart for that. When God does something inside of our families, we say that it's what the Lord did. Not what I did. Amen. Don't you want a heart like that? Paul never forgot. It was, it was all about what the Lord had done. Not what he had accomplished. <clears throat> it may be the work. You know. The work may be ours to do. But the glory always belongs to God. The responsibility is ours to embrace. But the credit is the Lord's alone. Don't embezzle. His glory. It all belongs to him. That attitude never fails to put everything in proper perspective. Last is this. As we look at our study tonight, let's examine ourselves to see if we're being saturated with the word of God as a result of personal time with him. If we have the opportunity for open mic, said, hey, do you have anything to say? What is it that you would say? Are you so saturated with the word of God that it would flow out of your heart? Of the gospel or your story of what the Lord has done for you. Number two is this. Look, a takeaway from tonight. Um, let's make certain of our that our emphasis remains on presenting the gospel to the lost. And grace to those that are saved. The third one is this. We should check our responses to mixed reactions. Making sure they're we should check our responses to mixed reactions. Making sure they're mature responses which honor the Lord and keep the focus on his work. Let's check our responses that focus on the Lord. The fourth one is this. We should be wise to examine our motives for doing the work. Making sure at every turn, every achievement, with every ministry success, that the glory always belongs to the Father. Amen? Did you guys get something out of the word tonight? Hope you did. Y'all come back next week. I'm not going to be talking about Paul. I'm going to be preaching and not teaching. But I'm more comfortable at all right? Uh, we're going to continue. If you were here uh, in, the, in the month of March, the first Wednesday, I uh, told you it's going to be a first of many out of the book of James. And if you were here for that, I'm going to continue that uh, next week because it's first Wednesday. And then after that, we'll go to Acts chapter 15 and 16, pick up on the story of the life of Paul. Amen? Amen. Well, God, thank you so much for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Lord, if there's places in our life that you're not getting the glory, we repent. And, Lord, we, uh, um, God, it's because of you, Lord, we have what we have, and we can do what we can do. And so, Lord, we just worship you tonight. We magnify and exalt your name, for you are worthy to be praised. I just pray, God, for these folks tonight. I pray that whatever they put their hand to, Shalom, will prosper. 
I pray that you keep your angels charged around about them. Keep them in all your ways that no evil befalls them. No weapon for and against them shall prosper. That you bear them up in your hands lest they dash their foot against the stone. I pray that you bless them. You keep them. Your face shines upon them, gracious to them, and gives them peace. I speak the favor of the Lord upon them. That your favor covers them as with a shield. Lord, I just pray that, uh, um, God, that you would direct their steps. Lord, I just pray that they would hear the word of the Lord behind them that says this is the way, walk in it, whether it be to the right or be to the left. I pray, God, that you would show them the path of life, that in your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Lord, I lift up those situations uh, to you, God, those situations that are in the room that are bigger than us. Lord, I just pray that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I pray, God, for businesses. I pray, God, for wisdom in that business. I pray for wisdom inside of these families. God, I just pray for our kids tonight. I lift up our children to you. I pray that they have the mind of Christ, that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. I pray for grandkids, that greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world, that if God be for them, then who in the world can be against them? Lord, I pray, Lord, as they learn and, and go to school, I just pray, Lord, that I, I pray that in this house that's raising up an army of children, that would be a light in a dark world. I pray for Paul's, God, and Barnabas's that would go and do the work of the ministry right here at Potter in Randall County. Lord, I just pray inside of our school systems. I lift up teachers to you tonight. Lord, I just pray that, uh, um, Lord, that they would see the task that is ahead of them. I pray for the spirit-filled ones. Lord, it would be a light to the heathen. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in this house. Lord, um, Lord, as we go into the weekend, I just pray that you would open eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, I thank you in advance for those men and women that would answer this altar call to receive Jesus as our Lord and personal Savior. And God, I just pray that their lives would be changed forevermore. Lord, I speak healing in the room from the top of people's heads to the soles to the tips of their toes. I pray that the blood of Jesus covers them. I pray, God, for healing virtue flowing into bones, tendons, ligaments, organs. In Jesus' mighty name, you sent your word and you healed us and delivered us from all destruction. Thank you, God. Jesus. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week.